You're in the WOR Sports Zone with Pete McCarthy. I'll get to Mike Piazza in a few moments, but uh, earlier today we had former Jets great member of the SAC Exchange, Mark Gastineau, in studio. And as you may know, Mark has been uh, dealing with a, a medical diagnosis from uh, last year uh, that he has Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, and uh, dementia stemming from his NFL career. It was a very emotional interview. He talks you know, a little bit about his day-to-day, but also, um, you know, his struggle, and it's a struggle of a lot of NFL players right now, the retired NFL players that are suffering to, you know, get a piece of the settlement that was agreed to last year. You know, the NFL is expected to pay out over a billion dollars. Thus far, it's about a quarter billion dollars that they've put out. So it's not as if it's nothing, but there are still a lot of players that feel they're getting the runaround. Uh, and you'll hear, uh, that whole interview again, it's really emotional at times and, um, you know, certainly interesting for, you know, these NFL players and what they're dealing with all these years later. And we'll have, uh, Mark, you'll be able to hear it with Mark Gastineau, 805 on Thursday. Uh, we'll have it for you. But here, here's a teaser of what, um, you know, Mark had to say today. I used to get hit so hard. I used to hit so hard. Those helmets, I used to break helmets. Pete, I, I honestly, I promise you. Yeah, in games, in practice, right? Practice. Day in, day out. And I used to walk to the other sidelines. Pete, you cannot tell me that that doesn't have an effect, a cumulative effect, you know, on a person. Yeah, and we'll uh, have again that full interview, interview coming up for you on Thursday 8.05 right here on 710-WOR. Uh, again, it's a T-Shirt Tuesday, 800-321-0710 to get involved in the show, and you get yourself a, a free Mets T-Shirt if you get on air. Uh, this was fun today to, to some degree, though it was obviously Mike Piazza's anger that uh, made this possible. But uh, uh, Mike Piazza owns the third level, you know, Italian soccer team, and he's having an issue as far as the rent that his team is paying. He has to pay a, a Serie A team uh, X amount of dollars to use their stadium. It's apparently a crippling deal for the franchise. So Piazza had a press conference today in Italy, and boy, I've never seen Mike Piazza so angry. As I've said, We've reorganized this company. We've invested in this community. I've moved my family here, my children here, to be part of this community. And we deserve respect. We are not going to be pushed around by a multi-billion dollar corporation. The stadium was built for this team by these people. We've reached out in friendship to try to form a coalition with the mayor with Mr. Squincy, with Sassuolo, with my pay, and we've gotten nothing, nothing, and I'm sick of it. I'm tired and sick of Reggiana being pushed around. I am frustrated and I'm freaking pissed off. We've invested millions of dollars in this community to clean up. I've had to pay, I paid for a freaking sport director and his car to drive around to pay for, to, to work for other teams. And I don't complain. I don't complain. We do it. 
We hire a great sport director. He puts a great team together. We give community a wonderful team. I had an old partner who negotiated double the rent to the stadium and left the company. And I didn't complain. And I have Mr. Connavale and Mr. Squincy saying, I don't pay my debts. That's bullshit. You see that team out there? That team out there has got cuyones. They got balls. They're playing with balls. Guess what? This team and this city has got balls. They're playing hard. At one point in the first month, we still have to play that coach to the end of the year. Hundreds of thousands of euro. I'm sick of it. We want to be treated fair. And my conditions are clear. And then they had to translate it all in Italian without... The same kind of fervor that Piazza had. When did you ever hear Mike Piazza? That riled up. I mean, I got a new favorite soccer team after hearing that. Look, get these guys a home. Get them a stadium to play in. Give them a better deal. That was phenomenal. He's slamming the desk. It's funny with the video that they had they shared on Facebook Live. Apparently, the camera must have been either on the desk or anchored to it. So every time Piazza punched the desk, the whole thing would shake. That was great. Well, that's some good drama out there from uh, from Mike Piazza. But he's always seemed so chill, right? He's like the California kid and uh, laid back. You never heard Mike Piazza getting riled up about a whole lot. Even you know after Roger Clemens threw at him, he came back and said, "I just don't have a whole lot of respect for the guy right now." Yeah, he didn't. He wasn't calling it BS and uh, a little passion from from Mike Piazza for his soccer team. But. He's always been that low key guy, yeah. you know. Even the you know the the, the the infamous press conference he had to come out with, you know, I'm not. Uh, <laughs> it, just, it was never. It was almost like he laughed it off and yeah. never said anything big. I never heard him that like ticked off. No, he's legitimately furious about how much his soccer team is paying in rent to play in the, the Serie A team's uh, stadium. I'll get it right now, uh, but. Uh, yeah, I just I've never heard Mike Piazza in that in that way. But that's fun. I, you know, I I think it it goes to show to to some degree, you know, having the players reach that ownership level, you hear a passion that you don't necessarily hear from a businessman or, or someone who, you know, doesn't get that the whole competition angle of it and from Mike Piazza and this is personal this is his team just like the Mets were his team the Dodgers were his team and I you get a you get something a little different I, I think there I think that's probably what's been so disappointing early on about Derek Jeter in Miami is that Jeter's playing it like the billionaire would rather than how the former player would I, I think that you know, Piazza there sounds like the former player who's operating a team and wants it to be able to go a certain way, cares about it, and wants to see it work. Whereas, uh, you know, Jeter hasn't really turned that corner yet. But I, I think that's what is potentially fun about what could happen down the pike as, you know, so many players have expressed an interest in ownership and now they're making enough money on the court, on the field, off the court, off the field that. You know, it's realistic for a lot of these players, but that's that's what you're looking for if you're going to have a former player run your team, right? You wouldn't sign up for Mike Piazza giving you giving you that, giving you that kind of passion about the rent his team is, uh, you know, having to pay to, you know, get get things going a little bit. He's trying to turn around a you know a low level soccer team that used to used to be in Syria, but uh, 
It was almost jarring to hear. I saw the headline, Mike Piazza, you know, bangs fist at press conference. And Mike Piazza, he's a pretty chill dude. And But you can hear, uh, he, he reached his breaking point, and, and we'll see how it benefits him. You know, he talked about, too, how... You know, he's the guy who's bringing the New York Times in and getting a lot of attention uh, for his team and for the league in general there. Uh, and, you know, this this will certainly get some attention in that way uh, as well. But uh, 800-321-0710. That was surprising. Again, 800-321-0710 to get involved in the show. Uh, you call up, you get on the air, you get yourself a free Mets T-shirt. Again, Tim Close, Iona head basketball coach, coming up at 835. It's the Sports Zone with Pete McCarthy on The Voice of New York, 710 WOR. We're back in the WOR Sports Zone with Pete McCarthy. Uh, next week will be Kirk Cousins week as he'll become a unrestricted NFL free agent. Uh, became official today. Won't be franchise tagged or anything like that by his former team, the Washington Redskins. And uh, the reports are the Jets, the Vikings expected to be the two finalists for Cousins services. Uh, you know, Cousins today. Yeah, welcoming a little attention towards this, went on his uh, Twitter account and tweeted that next week is now officially the first time since 2007 that I'll be choosing where to play football. I'm open to suggestions. And then this tweet has about a, a billion replies, uh, 6.3 thousand replies from Damian Woody, the former Jets offensive tackle, sending him a Herman Edwards gif and uh, saying, you know, he wants to go. Of course, you know, you want to go to the Jets to, you know, some old Redskins fans saying, oh, sorry, it didn't work out. You got the Browns fans getting in there saying he should be heading over there. Uh, Kirk Cousins is going to have himself a week. Yeah, the kind of week that not a whole lot of us get, right? You're like the number one prospect, maybe, football, basketball coming out of high school. Yeah, you're going to have some fun, right? Like he got game getting brought to from college to college and, and recruited. Uh, but, you know, you, you don't always have a whole lot of opportunities to be recruited in life, to be wined and dined. Uh, Kirk Cousins is going to have that, and probably in a way that, you haven't seen it in a whole lot of sports with the exception of, of someone like LeBron James. And, and Cousins isn't that great a quarterback. Uh, it's just that it's so rare that even a good quarterback becomes available via free agency. And because the NFL free agency plays out as quickly as it does, he might not have the opportunity to go from city to city to city in the way that LeBron did to, you know, be pitched by team after team uh, before you know he ended up going to Miami all those years ago. Now even the Knicks said themselves uh, in the room with LeBron and were able to give uh, their own pitch for the team. But you know, with Cousins. I don't think you have too many free agents other than LeBron who are going to have the experience like Cousins will because, you know, he is, for so many of these teams, based on the position that he plays, uh, a must-have. You know, for the Vikings, they could look at him as, you know, the piece that could put them over the top. Is he going to play much better than Case Keenum did for them last year? I'd say it's an improvement, not a huge one, but... Uh, it's rare that you have someone you know like this out there. I, I think that he's going to get the the full experience, and it's why you know these teams have to really figure out and, and come up with a plan for what it's going to be to to 
recruit and convince him that you know this is the place to be. And for the Jets, I mean, all I can think of is it's got to be the money, and and that's the big advantage that they might have on somebody else. But they're going to have to, you know, fork it over. And otherwise, for the Jets, I mean, what what else are you selling? Who's the offensive player that Kirk Cousins gets to play with that you're like, hey, you get to play with Robbie Anderson if he's not suspended? Uh, you have Bilal Powell. Yeah. There's like an offensive lineman or two here that's pretty good. Let's go. I mean, there's some defensive players he could look at. I think the Jets' future defense has hope. But offensively, it would be him and whatever free agents uh, you could get to join him. And for the Jets, I mean, that's going to be one of the, the tough things. you got to work on Cousins right away. But at the same point, they got to be trying to line up. Some kind of offensive playmakers or offensive linemen, you know, some people that make them more attractive to Kirk Cousins. And they're going to be doing all that at the same time. It is going to be nutty. The Jets have $90 million to spend. So they can spend 30 to $35 million against the cap on Cousins and still go out and sign a good amount of players and some talented players. But how do you do all that when the NFL, it's it's a madness when NFL free agency starts in a way that no other sport is. Baseball takes six months now for free agency to play out. Football, it happens in six hours. And it all happens real quick. I mean, it's going to be within three or four days after free agency starts next week that Kirk Cousins is signing somewhere. And it's not going to drag out for months. It's not going to drag out for weeks. It's going to be days. That'll be the whole process. Unless it's dramatically different from you know what we've seen in the past. You got a number of other quarterbacks that are looking to find homes, whether it be free agents or otherwise. Uh, the Eagles, you know, could look to move Nick Foles, and you know, would that send a, a ripple into you know where Cousins could end up? But I don't, I don't see the Eagles dealing Foles until the summer. I really don't. Uh, yes, his value is as high as it's ever going to be coming off a Super Bowl MVP and, and how great he played those last two games of the postseason. But they got to ensure themselves with Carson Wentz coming back from ACL surgery. They can't just, you know, hey, we got a good quarterback just in case, but we'll, we'll deal him for some draft picks and you know figure it out at the quarterback position for the first few weeks of the season. You don't know that Kirk uh, that um, you don't know that Carson Wentz is going to be back. That first game of the season, I, I don't think that they're in a position to move him until you know much later. You know, you get get to training camp, summer. You know, see how Wentz is progressing. Doing it now, I don't see the Eagles being in a hurry to deal Foles, unless they're getting first round pick or something ridiculous for a guy who was on you know scrap heap uh, not long ago. But uh, but yeah, you know, NFL free agency next week is it'll be huge for the Jets. I'll tell you that much because if they miss out on Cousins and then you know they have the sixth pick in the draft, it's possible you get shut out for a young quarterback in the draft, which is the route I'd prefer to see them go. But if Cousins goes to the Vikings, then you really can see the Jets getting shut out, and you could see. You know, the Browns taking, say, Sam Darnold, number one. The Giants grabbing Josh Rosen. The Broncos taking Josh Allen. And then the Jets sitting there at six and not having a a great quarterback to take. I don't think Baker Mayfield's that kind of quarterback. I don't. Uh, You want to take him in the second round or early in the second? Knock yourself out. But number six overall, uh uh-uh. And he probably won't last all the way back around the other way. So then you got to try to make some moves if you're going to land a quarterback. And, boy, the worst-case scenario for the Jets is you just don't end up with anybody. It would play out so much better 
if they could do the draft first, see how it shakes out, and then know just how desperate they are in free agency. Unfortunately, it's the other way around. Uh, so, you know, for the Jets here, they'll have to hope that they have something that Kirk Cousins wants. And you start comparing them to the Vikings, at least from a football perspective, it's hard to see exactly what that is right now. Uh, and then the Giants, we know they go out, get some offensive line help, and, you know, they probably just hope that the defense is uh, going to bounce back, but. Uh, I don't see the Giants as a competitive team next year. It's easy to say that they're closer than the Jets, sure. Uh, they can bounce back and you know win an extra four or five games relatively easily, but that's still not putting them in playoff position considering the kind of year that they had. And with Eli clearly in decline, you know the Giants, to me, trying to patchwork something together to be competitive this year is a mistake. In my book, they got to be getting that quarterback. They got to be looking two or three years ahead. And that's what they should be doing uh, at this point in time. 800 the number. All right, we're going to have uh, Tim Kloos, the head coach of Iona Basketball, going to the NCAA tournament for a third straight year after winning the MAC title again this year. And it was a wild MAC tournament this year where on the same day, yeah, the number one and number two seeds in the tournament get knocked out. It's a big upsets early. Uh, Iona was kind of in the middle uh, of the tournament after the end of the regular season, but uh, every year it seems they find a way to get through that tournament in the postseason, and that is a, a nutty tournament to get through, and Tim Kloos making it happen again. The fifth time in seven years, Iona part of the NCAA tournament. Uh, so we'll have uh, Coach Kloos coming up. Uh, I know Ray Martell, producer, is going nuts about LIU Wagner. How are we looking over there? LIU by 12 with nine and a half to go. All right. But you don't feel good about them for some reason. Well, they only have seven or eight deep. They don't play very deep. Uh, so I worried about foul troubles, but they've really weathered the storm. And right now, this is LIU's game to lose at this point. All right. So LIU Brooklyn could be back in the NCAA tournament as well. They've been in there in recent years. They went right? three years in a row from yeah. 11 through 13 and looking to get back for the first time since then. Yeah. And, and they're, you know, 15, 16 seed. Yeah, they'll be they one of those. Of you know, play, probably playing in Dayton. Yeah. Iona, though, uh, you know, they're usually 11 and 12. They play competitive games. They haven't won an NCAA tournament since game since 1984. It's been a long time for Iona. So we'll talk to Coach Kloos about that uh, and much more when we come back. Sports Zone with Pete McCarthy on The Voice of New York, 710 WOR. WOR Sports Zone with Pete McCarthy. The Gales have done it. Not one, not two, but three straight years as the Max Elite. Tim Kloos continues his drain of dominance. They're here in Iona uh, once again, champions of the MAC as they are headed to the NCAA tournament for a third straight year and for the fifth time in seven seasons. And joining us right now, the head coach for Iona men's basketball, it is Tim Kloos. And uh, Coach Kloos, j- just another year? How, how does this one uh, feel to, to be making it three straight uh, MAC championships? feels great. It was tremendous. Our guys worked really hard all year, and it really paid off from this weekend, and I'm really proud of them. How how different was this year than, you know, in, in years yeah. past? It wasn't as smooth a ride as... Uh, it, no, it, we it, didn't have... Like, we graduated a lot of guys from last year's team, and I think we had seven new players on the team this year, and no real, you know, stud type of player. So it was really complete team effort um, from, you know, first man to our last man, pitching at different points along the year, developing different roles, and Guys kind of stepping up when they needed to. 
What would you say was the low point this year where you had the least confidence that you'd enjoy a night like last night? Probably when we started off 1-4, and four, we came back from a tournament in the Bahamas um, and we had played Syracuse and Albany outside of that tournament. We were in every single game, but we didn't seem to find a way to win, and I didn't know if they cared enough when they lost. So that was the part I was worried about. I, I, like if I saw them really upset about it, I would have been okay. And early in the year, I don't think they were, but I think they're also kind of just getting used to the system and playing with each other and me coaching them, and I was trying to get used to them. So I think they continue to grow and they continue to fight. And no matter how we had our ups and downs throughout the year, they just kept working. So kind of kind of happy to see that, and I thought something positive could happen because they never stopped working. Well, was there a loss where you said, all right, now it's turn, this team's starting to really dislike this feeling? You know, the funny thing was we had like a lot of guys out down the stretch run of the year, so for the last five games we really didn't have our full team together. So we never really got to that point where, like, okay, it's building now. We we were at that prior to that period of time, right? So mm-hmm. then I'm like, all right, well, what's he going to bring? So the four days we had leading up to the tournament, we had everyone there for practice for the first time in a while, and guys were really, really buying in. All of a sudden I saw Zach Lewis in particular just almost, like, change himself and his personality right in front of our eyes from just being one of the guys to a guy who had some leadership and really wanted that. And I knew my returners were going to be like that, but I needed some of the newer guys to kind of buy in and take a step. And once he did that, I thought he was going to give us a different aspect to our team, and he sure did. Yeah, and we're talking again with Coach Kloos, uh, who's Iona Gales, or heading the NCAA tournament once again with uh, another MAC title uh, coming through as the number four seed in the tournament to uh, win it for a third straight season. And yeah, and you guys finished up the regular season two and four over your final six. Did you did you just think, all right, we'll get healthy, we'll get everybody back, and then you know we'll be we still have the talent to make a run here. Yeah, I really did because we played, you know, everyone like Ryder was the number one team in the league, beat us late in the year, 110-101, I think. But we had beaten them early, and we didn't have Zach Lewis for that game. So I'm like, okay, we're as good as anyone in the league on a good day, and we're as bad as anyone in the league on a bad day. So we just need to get three good days together and hope that it was going to work, and our guys did that. And that's like everybody in that league, right? I mean, it's yeah, so competitive. Really, especially, yes. Yeah, and and to see you know what happened, the number one team Ryder, the number two team Canisius get knocked out back to back. How did that open things up for you guys? It it did, but it didn't. Like we really all thought, and he was speaking to most coaches as well, that any team could beat anyone this year. It wasn't going to be a surprise if a lower seed knocked up a higher seed because every time in every game throughout the match, it was overtime games, two point games, one point games, upsets. And that happened all year long. So it was really not a lot of differential between anyone from 1 to 11. And we're talking again with uh, Tim Kloos, head coach of Iona Men's Basketball. So uh, you're on to the NCAA tournament once again. Uh, you're you're an old hand at this. Uh, you, you've been there quite a few times. What what do you hope for as you start to you know look at Selection Sunday in terms of matchup, location? Is there anything that uh, you think could be you know beneficial for you that you've learned over the years? Obviously, your matchups are huge, depending on what type of team they put you against and where and size and all of that. But we know we're going to have you know one of the powerhouse teams because of probably where we're going to fall seed-wise. So for us, it's really just about trying to continue to get better over this next week and a half before we start playing again and going out there and being ready to play no matter who it is and 
I'm playing my own basketball. What do you notice from players when you know they they focus up, especially in a year like this where you weren't the number one seed going into this postseason tournament? You, you give your all to get through it in the MAC and win a championship, and then you get a few days, a week to reset, take a breath, and then you're pumping these guys up for the NCAA tournament. You know, we're actually taking a little different approach to it this year. We're coming back and starting practice again tomorrow. So they had off today when they, and that was it. Because I think the last time I, they had that happiness hangover for a little too long. And I, I think it comes with the territory at our level one. It's a one-bid league. Um, but I want us to get right back to work and, and know there's more ahead and that we have other plans and we have to really get, get to work to give ourselves a chance. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I, I was looking at Iona, you've been in the tournament so often, yet – uh, you haven't won an NCAA tournament game there since 1984. As you know, the mark of success is, I'm sure, get to the NCAA tournament for every team in the MAC. You've done it five out of seven years now. Does the mark of a successful season kind of change for you, where you want to win uh, one of these NCAA well, you, games? You want to win. You want to win every year you go there. But and the reality is, the matchups we've had, we played some of the top teams in the country who have made it to the championship or the semifinals, and you're talking. You know, they're probably, each man will probably be our best player in some of these teams. So yeah. we have to find a way to offset that. We have to hope we have one, those one, uh, one game. Like, we haven't had that yet in the tournament. We came out and played 40 minutes where we were knocking shots down and doing some of the things we can do. And part of that is your opponents, but part of that is also us. So, you know, we want to go out there one time and, and have a really good game and try to keep another team off their game a little bit and, why you play the game. you got to love college basketball because anything can happen. Uh, it's certainly true. And uh, yeah, you talked a little bit about what Zach Lewis has meant to this team over the last couple of weeks. I know we had a caller, uh, you know, calling earlier about uh, Cedric Casimir, and I was looking over his, uh, you know, last few games, second half of the season. Uh, certainly capable of some some big games, thirty points against Manhattan. What has he meant uh, to your team? He was tremendous. He like he got hurt as a sophomore and had three surgeries, and last year was really coming back from that and rehabbing like crazy. And earlier this year, he's still kind of lingering effects from it. But as the season went on, he kind of got back into form. And through the first two rounds of the playoffs, he was just phenomenal. And his leadership over the last month and a half, two months of the season has been great for our team. And just watching the kid work so hard to come back, to give himself a chance to get in shape, he's been uh, just a, such an important player on our team. And you know, he's really, to me, the guy who keeps it all going and keeps everybody focused and, and just – shows everyone by example how to act and how to work at his game. You never see him get rattled in any way. He plays at one even pace, and he's ready for any moment. Is it is it any sweeter uh, being that it was a challenging road to reach this point this year? Absolutely. Absolutely, because honestly, you're sitting there. You don't know how the season's going to go when you're playing like that and you're going up and down. Yeah, you know, every team has its issues on and off the court throughout the year that you have to overcome. And you're wondering if it's going to lead to something good for these guys, or just like a season you look back and say, "Boy, where did we go wrong?" Um, but when it when it turns out that your players start picking up some of the messages you're trying to send to them, and they start believing in themselves more than they did earlier, and they believe in each other, that's when it becomes really fun. It can be special, and to see them hugging each other and jumping all over each other, and their families there with you know everyone hugging and crying, and it was just great. It built memories to them for a lifetime, and it proved to them if they work hard, anything can happen. Nah, it's great to hear. And when you know you as a coach want to get that message through, what's uh, you know what, what was the most effective way to get that done this year? <laughs> Probably telling to them about a thousand times, but the most effective way is doing what they did this weekend. Because sometimes if they don't see results, they don't believe the message.
And now they got uh, something to believe going into the NCAA tournament. Mac champions for a third straight year. Congratulations, Coach Kloos, and uh, we appreciate the time tonight. Thanks very much. I appreciate being on. Do well. All right, you too. Uh, Tim Kloos, head coach, Iona men's basketball. Once again, uh, back to the NCAA tournament. Uh, you know, they'll probably be... You know, 14 to 16 seed, um, when you look at the tourneys, so they're going to have their work cut out for them. And, uh, they've had some tough games, uh, in the past to, to sort through, uh, their last few times in there. Last year was Oregon, Iowa State, Ohio State, BYU, LSU over the last, uh, 10, 12 years or so. Their NCAA tournament matchups. And, uh, we'll see if they can pull off the second NCAA tournament victory in program history. You got to go all the way back. Actually, in 1980, uh, the last time and the only time Iona able to win an NCAA tournament game when they knocked off Holy Cross. So, uh, you know, the challenge is there for a, a team that, you know, certainly has experienced what it is to be a part of the NCAA tournament quite a bit, but, uh, was not, you know, the wire to wire, you know, favorite all the way. It was going to be a wide open Mac this year. Uh, and, you know, th- through some struggles, able to, to persevere 11 and seven regular season and, uh, getting everybody back at the right time to make a run through, uh, the postseason tournament for Iona. So, uh, well done by them. Uh, again, 800-321-0710, the number to get involved. T-shirt Tuesday, call into the show. You get a free Mets t-shirt. Uh, we do this every Tuesday night here in the sports zone on the voice of New York, 710 WOR. It's the WOR Sports Zone with Pete McCarthy on 710 WOR. Well, fun show tonight. Uh, I got to chat with uh, Coach Kloos and Ron Darling earlier as well. Uh, if you missed Ronnie, check it out, 710WOR.com. But one thing that was interesting uh, talking with Ron Darling about was Matt Harvey. And I've expressed a few times on the show now that I don't like the fact that Harvey won't talk about last year it's totally out of sight out of mind doesn't want to revisit it at all Uh, I think that you had a terrible season but you got to confront that and you got to look at what did go wrong rather than just pretend that it didn't happen and I you know threw that out to to Ron Darling and this was his response you know I I think I'm going to give him a break in this sense is that when you have a tough year um I, I think think about it in, in the athlete's way or even thinking about it as a, a regular human at home. Uh, when things have been going really bad, sometimes, you know, just trying to forget about it and not talk about it makes you move forward. And I, I think for Matt, I think the season was just uh, so bad for him last year that to continue to talk about it, I think uh, for him, uh, maybe in a fragile way, it, it, it will bring about, you know, uh, negative feelings. So maybe to put it on the back burner and not talk about it at all is a way for him to move forward, to think positively, um, and to and to and to try to uh, make this season just uh, you know uh, a, a fresh and a new one. And I think it's a uh, you know I've seen other players do it before. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't work. Um, but uh, I, I think I think it's uh, I have no problem with the approach. Yeah, and for, you know, Ronnie, giving him the benefit of the doubt. But I think it also shows a little bit of the fragileness that is still there uh, for Matt Harvey. And, you know, the the lack of confidence that was always 
his thing, right? When when he was in that great in 13 and 14, uh, or at least 12, uh, 13. But, you know, the confidence was always uh, the big thing for, for Matt Harvey. And now it almost feels like he, he's faking it uh, through because he at times you could tell doesn't have the same confidence after a game where you know he does get his rear end kicked and uh, it feels like you know if you're not willing to even go back and, and talk about you know a, a bad start or, or a bad time last year uh, you know you gotta be able to learn from these things a little bit and I don't mind if he does it publicly or not but I would hope privately at least he, he did that because you know, you're gonna get your butt kicked in baseball it happens all the time you can even if you're having a Cy Young year you're gonna have one of those starts where you get rocked and you gotta be able to bounce back from that and that's yeah, you know, I, I gotta think something that's gotta be a little bit of a worry here, um, you know, for Matt Harvey when that start does inevitably occur. Uh, again, eight hundred three two one zero seven ten. Giving away some Mets T-shirts tonight. Eli in New Jersey, what's up, Eli? Um, can you say that Matt Harvey will, be, will have an amazing season this season because of today's game? Uh, say it again, Eli. Can you say that Matt Harvey will have an amazing season because of today's game? Uh, I don't think he's gonna, you know, have an amazing year because of, uh, you know, the start. But you know, it, it's encouraging that he gets three scoreless innings. And, and thanks for the call, Eli. Enjoy the T-shirt. But uh, you know, three scoreless innings for him. He needs results. That's the thing. If he gives up seven runs in an inning and a third, how's Matt Harvey gonna respond to that? I, I don't think we know. So for him to be able to go out and have a productive start yesterday, where he throws three scoreless innings. That's something he needs. He needs to have results. You know, Steven Matz has reached a point now where he needs to have results in spring training to try to get his head right and to know that he can still do it. So, you know, for both of those guys, and Harvey's had success at the outset of spring training, uh, it is something that they need. But this is the issue, you know, the other issue with Harvey He's still a big name in this town. He's still, you know, in some corners, the dark night. He goes out and throws three scoreless. He's on the back page of every paper today, and it's Matt Harvey's back, and he's not back to being what he was. And this is where the expectations for him need to be checked down and turned into something more realistic. A good season for Matt Harvey is a 4 ERA, is 25 starts, and he gets through most of the year healthy without you know any drama along the way. That's a good year for Matt Harvey in 2018. Does it mean he's getting paid the dollars that he thought he would years ago when he becomes a free agent after the season? Of course not. But I, I don't see that kind of stuff, that kind of you know talent oozing out of Matt Harvey right now. I think you know he's throwing 95, plenty good enough to get big league outs. Uh, that's if he can hit his spots, if he can really learn to pitch, he can have some success. But he's not going to be, you know, eight strikeouts and seven and two thirds scoreless innings and a bloody nose leaving the field. That Matt Harvey is not anymore. I don't think you're going to see 
uh, a whole lot of that. But, uh, you know, again, if you, if you missed Braun Darling earlier in the show, check it out, 710WOR.com. Hit the Sports Zone page, and uh, you can hear his insights on the Mets, including, you know, the kind of noise that Brandon Nimmo has made this spring uh, to make himself, you know, a real contender out there in center field. And Ron envisions a, a platoon between Nimmo and Ligaris in center. And, and just how much Michael Conforto is going to mean to this team this year. And it was a great sign today, Conforto able to take uh, live batting practice, small steps, baby steps along the way, that's a pretty big one. And, you know, soon it'll be, you know, a full day of live batting practice and and maybe even some game action, you might hope, before the end of spring training. Uh, You know, you have another two and a half, three weeks for that. And, you know, we'll see, um, you know, just how much Conforto is able to progress, but certainly uh, a positive day for him uh, right there. But, uh, you know, again, big thanks, Tim Kloos, for joining us on the show. Scott Miller. As always, if you ever miss a show, 710WOR.com or check out the iHeartRadio app. You can actually subscribe to the show, the Sports Zone, uh, right there on the uh, iHeartRadio app. So uh, be sure to download that on uh, Google Play or whatever you got there to uh, to make that happen. Tomorrow night on the show, uh, we will have Sal Licata in, as he is every Wednesday night. So we'll have some fun with Sal, always do. And uh, Thursday night, 8.05, uh, our interview with Mark Gastineau. And, and we'll be, we sat down with him earlier today. We'll have some teasers for you in the next couple of days. But very emotional interview and something that uh, you're certainly not going to want to miss. Uh, for Ray Martell, Mark Wiener, I'm Pete Thanks so much for joining. Enjoy your night. Dave Ramsey's coming up next. Your new-